radio training on college campuses dates back to at least the 1920s, maybe earlier. Welcome to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. My name is Eric Klein. I'm joined on the line via Skype by Jennifer Waits. Hello, Jennifer. Hello. And today on the podcast, Jennifer and I are going to spend the entire podcast together talking about college radio stations that function as training labs for learning radio. Jennifer, that's not what most college stations do, right? Well, I would say that all college radio stations are learning labs to one degree or another. But I think that the stereotype of college radio is more of the extracurricular freeform college radio station. But as as we've shown <laughs> across all these many podcasts and tours, college radio is much more diverse than that stereotype. So I thought it'd be pretty interesting to talk about two stations that are are very serious learning labs in the sense that they're extensions of academic programs on their campuses. Yeah, now that I hear you say that, it's kind of hard to believe that that's um, the minority of how a station is run as opposed to the the main way that college radio is approached. College radio is more often like a club that students can engage in, and sure, there's lots to learn, but it's not... Uh, when these particular stations do the work of making college radio, there's there's actually a professor and a curriculum. Is that right? Yeah, and and you know, I have not actually done sort of a quantified list of how many stations are extracurricular and how many stations are connected with an academic department. Mm -hmm. This is part of sort of the longer project because we don't have really great information about the, even the number of college radio stations in the country. And I'm kind of slowly developing my own list, but that would be an interesting part of it to also see how many stations are tied to academic departments, how many are extracurricular clubs. My sense is that it's a smaller number that are connected with academic departments, but I I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a tiny amount necessarily because I, I, I certainly know of a number of examples even just in the San Francisco Bay Area of stations that are connected to academic departments. Most stations have at the minimum a faculty advisor you know, I would say there aren't too many stations that don't have any sort of advisor or connection to the academics at the school whatsoever. Um, I do know of a few stations that are really on their own without even a faculty advisor, but I think that's pretty rare. Usually there's, there's some sort of connection, but yeah, I mean, I do think that a lot of stations are connected to departments and curriculum. They just don't tend to be Sometimes those stations are more under the radar and we don't hear about them as much. So that's part of the reason why I thought it was worth spending a podcast talking about that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So we're going to talk about KBPK at Fullerton College and KEPC at Pikes Peak Community College, which uh, both share that approach of uh, using the college station as a training lab so that that the, the volunteer DJs are also students, student right. DJs, learning. Uh, great. And so we're going to get to that in just a moment. But before we do, we're going to um, talk a little bit about your uh, forthcoming trip to the Grassroots Radio Conference. Yes, I'm getting very excited. I Now, of course, it's it's now that I realize that I'm going, I'm, I've turned to the phase of my planning where I'm thinking about radio stations to visit to. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited about that. 
Um, but the Grassroots Radio Conference is happening in Hot Springs, Arkansas, October 7th to 10th. Yeah, just around the corner. Yeah, and KUHSLP, a community radio station based in Hot Springs, is the host of the conference. So they've been putting together what looks to be a really great program. Um, and there are going to be speakers from radio stations from all over the country. I'll be there speaking along with many other amazing radio folks. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. There should be some interesting sessions that get into the nitty gritty of engineering topics and specific technical topics, but also some sessions about running a station sessions uh, devoted to low power FM. And also I think there's going to be a trip to the transmitter site, which I'm kind of excited about the (laughs) transmitter for KUHS and, and a station tour of that station and some keynote presentations so it should be a lot of fun. And it sounds like Hot Springs is, is a really interesting place. Yeah, so, a small town in Arkansas. Yeah. It's oh, um, national part of a national – there's Hot Springs National Park there. So it should be beautiful. I think it's still going to be really warm weather too. Oh, great. And you, uh, you're you're presenting. You're giving a talk while you're there. What What is the title of your talk or the, the theme? Oh. <laughs> it doesn't oh. need a title. What is it about? What is it about? So it's – I'm going to talk about my radio tours with an emphasis on community radio, since this is more of a community radio focused conference. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do, you know, sort of like a modern day slideshow talking about some of the community radio stations of varying types that I've seen all over the country. And I'm also going to talk about radio history and the importance of preserving a station's radio history. And, I would imagine there are going to be stations there that have been around for a long time and also some stations there who are brand new. So I'm hoping to communicate to both kinds of stations that it's, you should be thinking about ways to save your history. And like, especially at the beginning, you know, start keeping track of the story of your station's origin, for example, write that down, save audio, save pictures, um, I think if you start out with that archival mentality, it puts your station in really good shape. And because it's amazing how quickly people lose track of that information, like, sure. oh, yeah, what day did we launch? Now I can't remember, you know, and it might have been two years prior. So if if you document that early, I think that's a great start. So, so yeah, a little bit of a show and tell and also a plug since I'm... I'm part of the radio preservation task force and, and the committee or the caucus that I co-chair is not only focused on college radio, but also on community radio. Right. So the radio presentation task force, which is, um, how do we put it? It's a part of the library of Congress's, uh, yeah, it's part of these efforts, um, to preserve sound and radio. So we had a big conference earlier this year and, we're trying to find collections of radio archives all over the country, trying to connect scholars with radio collections and trying to connect radio collections with um, educational practices too. So how can you use an archive from a radio station to teach something um, in the classroom? So 
pretty exciting, pretty exciting stuff. And, you know, every day I'm finding out about more radio collections that I want to dive into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and tell, tell us what, when you find a community station out there in your, in your touring of the country, of the community stations all around the country, when you find one that has a well-preserved history, uh, why, why is that better? What does that give the, that community? Well, I think, you know, a lot, it's, it's good for a lot of reasons. Um, I think it shows pride in your station for one thing to be preserving those sorts of materials. Um, it also provides all sorts of opportunities to, to dig into your archives and to create new programming out of it too. So if you have, you know, there's stations that I've run across recently that have created entire new documentaries based on material from their archives. So it's, it's a great way to be reflective of not only the history of your station, but the history of your town, um, the history of an important era in time. So I, I think that that's part of it. Um, but there's so much more too. So that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. As soon as I asked, I realized that sometimes, uh, sometimes stations go through uh, tough times, and uh, I've certainly worked at stations that have gone have, have been experiencing um, a lot of turmoil around the station. And it's nice to have a connection to the past to 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 view what's happening at your station through that lens. Partly because maybe maybe things were easier, and you could uh, you can reflect on that. But also, if there were challenges that a station faced closer to its founding that can um, give perspective and solace to the individuals working at the station in, in the present day that are struggling. Uh, just knowing what happened in the past can, can be helpful to give space. Uh, I, yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, when I first started becoming passionate about radio history, it was when I was looking into the history of, of my undergraduate college station at Haverford college. And I had gone back to campus for one of my reunions and was upset that the station seemed to be defunct. Um, And in my mind, I started blaming some of the more recent staffs like, Oh, they did this, they did that. Right. Um, But then when I dug further, I realized, wow, there've been struggles at Haverford college radio stations since the very beginning. So it actually gave me, a lot of perspective and you know now i would never blame any given uh era of students there because i now i recognize the ongoing struggles that you have especially in college radio where you have an ever-changing staff yeah um so yeah for me it was very helpful to learn more about the history of that station because um i just have a big picture now well i'm i um am uh personally uh, uh, sad that I cannot be at the Grassroots Radio Conference to enjoy your talk. I hope that there's some form of uh, repackaging that we could do here on Radio Survivor once you've done the hard work to uh, prepare all your slides. I'd love to, I'd love to hear it. Um, oh, yeah, well, we'll try to figure that out. We'll see if there's a way to do that. So let's talk about college radio stations that function as training labs. You took a tour of of two such stations that we're going to talk about today. Uh, where would you like to start? Uh, well, first, I think I want to um, tell you a bit 
about sort of the history of radio training on campuses. Because over the years, I've been digging not only into the history of specific stations, but also digging into the history of the college radio landscape in general. And radio training on college campuses dates back to at least the 1920s, maybe earlier, even though by the 1930s, there weren't very many colleges that actually had radio licenses. In the 1920s, there were a lot of radio licenses on college campuses, but a lot of those licenses expired or were sold off to other groups. So by the 30s, there actually weren't that many, but a lot of campuses were offering radio training. So students were doing courses on campus, and sometimes there were collaborations with local commercial radio stations. So you might be doing sort of your lab on campus, and then students would get on the air at a nearby station. Um, in the Did you say in the 30s this was? Yeah, in the 1930s. I, I love that because that's one of the things that you've taught me uh, when we talk about college radio history is that um, it would it's tempting to believe that there was just – Uh, a golden age of radio and then a decline, you know, in the nineties, uh, post, post 1996 telecommunications act where there are less jobs and less, less radio. But as you just said, there was a, there was a, there was a boom in, in college radio in the twenties. And then as that generation, uh, departed and handed it over to the next generation, there was sort of a, a bit of a bust. Lots of college stations went into a, a kind of funk transition where they were less, they were less active. Yeah. And in the twenties, you know, it was brand new. So a lot of stations got licensed, a lot of schools got licenses, but then maybe only held a license for a year or less. So, you know, it was like the early days of the internet or something where it was just kind of this shiny new thing. And then commercial interests were very interested in (laughs) getting these licenses. So you had that going on. Right. Um, And then there's wartime as well. So there are various challenges happening with the radio airwaves. Um, So in the 30s, there weren't really that many college radio licenses, um, but there was radio training going on on campus. And then um, so one one term for some of these trainings happening on campus, um, they were referred to as radio workshops. So there were these lab-like radio workshops on campus And there would be practice studios where students could learn about doing radio. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was even an entire conference um, around 1940 focused on college radio workshops where the Federal Radio Education Committee, they, people met and talked about what sort of education was going on on campus. Um, I found that book because I was looking for history of college radio and I, you know, I didn't realize at the time that the book was actually going to focus on uh, this different sort of college radio. So it was very interesting. And then, then by 1946, there was another conference on college radio that was also focused on radio education. And at that time, the emphasis was on having a need for radio curriculum. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of discussion about radio curriculum around the 40s. Um FM is coming in, and so schools are contemplating whether or not they want to apply for an FM license for their station. So 
you know, it continued to be the case where a lot of campuses would have these simulated broadcast lab studios um, where they would have microphones and speakers and turntables and recorders and, and students weren't necessarily broadcasting from there, just learning. Um, and close to home at San Francisco state and at city college of San Francisco, they both have training oriented radio stations to this day that started in the 1940s. So um, in some cases, stations would eventually start sending out their um, programs over things like public address systems. Yeah. So I know at, at city college of San Francisco, that's how students found out about JFK's assassination was over the radio station that was transmitting over public address systems. So I think a lot of people don't realize that college radio can actually transmit, be transmitted in so many different ways, even if you don't have a terrestrial license. So even if you're not on FM or AM um, in the 1960s, being over the PA system at school still meant that you were being heard in every classroom. So that was a pretty big deal. Which is another link uh, from the present to the past where uh, it would be, it's tempting, but it would be a mistake to, to draw a bold line between online-only college stations and terrestrial and college stations that have an FM uh, frequency. Uh, because in the history of college radio, there are other, there are other times, like you said, where, where the, the, the radio studio, quote-unquote radio studio, was wired up directly to, to public address speakers throughout the campus. And that functioned, uh, that was radio, even though it didn't have a, um, you know, people weren't receiving it on their radios. Right. Um, And then, you know, we've talked about carrier current. So some of these stations ended up building carrier current um, and closed circuit. So some stations could be heard in campus eateries, in the dorms. So, you know, you had carrier current stations that were the extracurricular stations, but you also have some training stations that ended up broadcasting or transmitting over carrier current. And then eventually uh, there was also cable. So some of these stations would have their programs airing over local cable TV stations too. Right. Audio only television broadcasts. Yeah. And then there's also cable FM. So it's, it's more than meets the eye. So I just wanted to have sort of that context that, you know, you had radio courses dating all the way back to the thirties and maybe twenties. Um, these radio lab type stations. And so, so today there are training stations all over the country and sometimes they have FCC licenses. So both the stations I'm going to talk about today have FM FCC transmissions. Um, One of the schools holds the license. The other one is using a license that's held by a local school district, but you also have stations like those at, in San Francisco at City College and at San Francisco State that have never had FCC licenses. So now they are internet only. Uh, Whereas in the past, they experimented with things like carrier current and loudspeaker PA system. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a little bit of background. As you know, I like to give you some history. Yeah, always, always (laughs) a pleasure to hear, to hear college radio history. So should we start with Fullerton? Sure. So yes. take take us to KBPK at Fullerton College. Where are we? 
So Fullerton, Cal- uh, Fullerton College is in Fullerton, California, which is in California, <laughs> which is in yeah. Orange County. Um, I was taking a little early summer vacation to Disneyland, and it was just a short distance from there. So I brought my daughter along to to check out KBPK. Yeah, and Fullerton College is a is it a community college that's one of the oldest in the country? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's um, it's reportedly the oldest community college in California. Um, it's in Orange County, and the college dates back to 1913, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the station history is a bit murkier, um, and they are broadcasting over an FM. It's a Class D FM license, um, so it's very it's a low power it's not low power fm but it's a the power is low (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's not technically lpfm it's older Um, than lpfm but it's it's low power yeah there aren't very many class d licenses left so it's um doesn't cover a lot of distance and the license is held by the buena park school district which is nearby Mm -hmm. um and actually so it means that when i was driving near fullerton college i couldn't really pick up the station on my car radio. <laughs> so it, it comes in a little bit better if you're, if you're coming towards the school from a different direction from the direction that I traveled in. Mm-hmm. So for that station, having an internet stream has been a lifesaver because the FM signal is sort of spotty and only covers part of orange County. Um, and as always, I want to know right away, like, are they, is this a music station? Is it a talk station? Yeah, so it's a music station, and so it plays an adult contemporary format. Right. Um, and it's very much a program that is preparing students for jobs in radio. So they're following a common commercial radio format. Mm-hmm. And they air some sports programming as well. So they air some college and high school sporting events. And then they have a handful of um, other sort of specialty music programs, including some oldies shows on the weekend. Okay. But for the most part, students are, are coming in and playing the music that they're told to play. And it's students who are in the communications program on campus and they serve as interns at the station. And yeah, it's very much following sort of the same, you're doing sort of the same thing that you'd be doing if you were a commercial radio DJ, like right. you're being told what to play and when. And it's a two-year school, so I was told that students in the past would actually generally go off to radio jobs or go to four-year colleges. Um, and now the trend seems to be that students are doing two years there and then transferring to a four-year college is like the main pathway that most students there are taking. Although um, I visited the very beginning of summer and one of their students was heading off to a job in radio at a public radio station. So that was, that was less the norm to go straight to a job, but they were very excited. It happened. Uh, it happened. It's a great opportunity. In 2016, no less. I know. And so you met you met with the operations manager, program director there at KBPK, right? Yes, he's both. Um, operations manager and program director, Tracy Thakra. 
So mm-hmm. there are a number of radio classes that they have. And then the interns get weekly on-air shifts that are usually about three hours long. And, and there are classes. So, you know, the lab part is on the air, but they have classroom classes. Um, and he said that one of the instructors has been doing a lot about podcasting recently. Mm-hmm. So they're not just learning traditional radio. They're learning about podcasting and also learning about video. Um, we talked about the converging media world and that video is important for radio as well. So so that was cool to hear that that they're they're working on teaching a variety of methods of media within the communications program. Yeah, it sounds like a sounds like the right way to do it. Was there anything else about KBPK that that is on topic? Uh, well, I always lo- I always love looking for historical artifacts, and they had a reel to reel, which was cool. And um, it sounds like they've actually done some digitizing projects for people Good. you know who've brought tapes in um and and i saw a bulk tape eraser which i don't know if everybody even knows what that is but it's what you can use to erase carts or maybe reels too i'm gonna call it a degausser it's like a big magnet i think he asked my daughter do you know what that is and <laughs> and mm. i was like oh i think i know what that is and uh, they sort of use it as a doorstop. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it uh, erases magnetic tape with a big old magnet. Yep. Neat. Um, so, yeah, that was, uh, that was my tour there. Oh, uh, they also had some old – it looked like they were station-crafted CDs that had maybe one track of, you know, the hits of the day. So there were some CDs that had Hart and Michael Bolton, Color Me Bad, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Adams. Time capsules. Um, you know, just in case um, the automation system fails, um, you've got some CDs there. Oh, right. It's adult contemporary easy listening music uh, focused on uh, older women. So that <laughs> all makes sense now. I know. Uh, why, why must we gender our music, uh, people of the future? Anyway, um, should we move on to KEPC at Pikes Peak Community College? Yes. What are they up so- to? So KEPC is in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, it's it's also a learning lab. Um, the music there, the music emphasis there is a little bit different. Their emphasis is on alternative music, um, but it's it's also programmed by the faculty oh. adult at the station, station manager Sharon Hogue. Um, and she's also the associate dean for the Division of Communications, Humanities, and Technical Studies at the college. And so I think that was the first station manager I met who was also a dean, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. What what what's the advantage? Sounds like they oh. would have more they'd have more uh, authority to make to make bigger decisions about how to how to educate and run a station. When, I would think so. When yeah. You have that title. I'm just going to assume because often station managers report to a dean. Right. So. I think having somebody who has more power at the school in charge of the station is always a good thing. Yeah, so that was really cool. And she had a college radio past at Slippery Rock University at WNFT, which she talked about. And maybe we'll hear a little bit of that. We used to have fun because we were always on. They put us new people on from midnight to six. So we were always on midnight to six and sneaking our friends in and then you could play whatever you wanted to play and have some fun and you always had your 
song that you would play at the end. Mine was Beth and Kiss for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why, but I would always play that at the end. It was very depressing, actually. So that's Sharon Hogue, station manager's uh, memory of her college radio days when she used to play Kiss. I know. I love it. So, yeah, and that's that's in contrast. So she did college radio as a fun activity. It was not part of her academic program in college. Right. And now she's managing a station that's quite different where it's really pre-professional. Um, so I, I thought it was cool to hear her descriptions of both types of stations. Yeah, it's a, she's an interesting character because um... – I'm glad that her station is run the way it's run. It's kind of it's it's nice to know we like diversity at college radio. But I sort of there's a part of me that like um, still wants to be like encourage rebelliousness at her station. Like why can't the kids play what they want? Uh, I wonder how she f- feels deep down about that contradiction. Well, I mean, so she worked in college in commercial radio mm-hmm. before coming to KEPC. Um, you know, the, definitely the mission is to train students so they can get jobs yes, in radio. Jobs. So they're not just um, making radio for people who love radio like me. Making, yeah, I mean, they're making future <laughs> radio professionals. You have to more power you know, to them. Different stations have different purposes. So, yeah. um, but you know, as far as a training station, it, I think it's pretty interesting because they're actually, even though the music is is programmed for the students for the most part. Um, it's a really large playlist of music. Okay. So it's there. The mantra at the station is maximum variety and it's alternative music in a rotation that is rotating evenly through around 6,500 tracks, Okay. which is a pretty huge number. So, so Sharon was telling me that there, you know, it can be lesser known songs like B sides is what, we would call them when we had records that had the A side, which was, you know, the, the hit (laughs) and the B side, which might be like a lesser known track. Um, So they're playing, you know, a variety. And definitely when I tuned in, I was hearing a variety of genres. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're also interested in promoting local artists. So they will play local music. They'll do interviews with local bands um, they'll work with local clubs to do ticket giveaways, etc. And so I, I was going to list maybe some of the bands that I heard when I tuned in. Mm-hmm. So stuff from my youth, like The Cure, um, and then some indie rock favorites like Yola Tango, Bob Marley. So there was some reggae in there and Squeeze, a little bit of retro stuff, Blink-182, Garbage. Funny. So and then yeah, we, I like it. So this is a radio station that I would... I would put it on in the car as I was driving past. I, yeah. I can admit this much. <laughs> um, what was really cool, so there's student interns who are on the air, and for the most part they're playing this playlist of music and they don't have set shows. But if you are really motivated, like one of the students who I met, Matt West, if you're really motivated, you can actually get a regular show as long as you show that you're very committed to doing it. So Matt West and another intern really wanted to do a morning show. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Sharon was sort of dubious because they've had students in the past who wanted to do a regular show. Some of them were genre based, like they've had hip hop shows and dubstep shows. 
But she said it's been hard to find students who actually have the follow through and the commitment to do their show every week. And she feels like once you're on the schedule, the listeners are expecting you to be there. So they convinced her that they were willing to do a morning show Mondays through Thursdays. Wow. And she, you know, she said, you have to be there. You can't, you, you have to you stick to the sleep limit. in. You can't sleep in. Um, and, and so, well, so it's a little bit later. They're not starting at 6 a.m. Like mm-hmm. they're <laughs> as an acknowledgement to the fact that students still often like to sleep in. Still 8 a.m. <laughs> is still morning time when you're in yes. college. So they're doing a four-hour morning show Monday through Thursday from 8 a.m. to noon, um, or at least they were during the summer when I visited, and they've been sticking with it. So it, that's sort of unusual at the station to have a regular show like that, um, but it's yeah, that's great a, experience. that's an incredible opportunity for those students. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, that's amazing. There's no, there's no question in my mind that, that five weeks after they started, they were 100 times better at radio and knew – knew more than any other uh, student DJ at other college stations having the opportunity to take that much responsibility for radio. That's, that's amazing. I know. Well, and it's, it's kind of unbelievable to me to think about doing a four hour morning show Monday through Thursday. (laughs) You know, I do a radio show one day a week for three hours. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's great experience. And um, you know, they can take that with them when they're applying yeah, for future looks, radio jobs. Looks good on a resume, I imagine. Yeah. So um, another thing we talked about is just what you mentioned that um, some of what Sharon likes about running this sort of program is watching the progress of the students from the beginning to the end. And I think we'll hear a bit of her talking about that right now. From KEPC as manager, at, as an instructor... I remember we had a gentleman who was in his 40s, and he had one of these voices. And he would go on the air, and he would talk, and I started getting complaints from listeners that we have gone California. We like that you have these unseasoned students on the air, and now you're pulling in professionals. And it was took everything for me to convince some people that he was not a professional, he was still a student, but his voice was just that way, that he could do that. But there's been a lot of fun times on KEPC. When you have students on the air, they're always fun. Great to see change from um, doing absolutely horrible to now being on a morning show in Canada. We have one that's does a morning show in Canada and some that do shows around town or in other cities. So that's what I love, just seeing how they progressed from day one on the air to actually getting a career. So I love, I love this story. It's very interesting to hear, you know, I certainly enjoy listening to unexpected radio. And I think that it's cool to hear that KEPC listeners are tuning in and hoping to hear students who aren't seasoned on the air. And it's pretty funny that, you know, when you have this one DJ who maybe has a more polished voice that the listeners start to get worried that you've hired a professional DJ We've or something. been burned before. That's, everyone's, <laughs> everyone's got weird, all the fans of radio out in the world have scars. They're like, wait, don't, don't take my radio station. Away. I know. Is this guy who sounds like he knows what he's doing a harbinger? Poor guy. I know, That's, I know. That is really funny. 
yeah so that's i i love that i think that's really charming um and and they mentioned they have listeners you know with their web stream they have listeners from all over the country and they mentioned um there used to be a surgeon who would tune in from new zealand uh-huh. and would even like send in a playlist of tracks that they wanted to hear um that they wanted to listen to while doing surgery. <laughs> huh. It was like apparently always upbeat, bu- upbeat music <laughs> that they wanted to hear for surgery. Um, and then the students who do the morning show, um, Matt West was saying, yeah, you know, they had just gotten a call from somebody in Dallas that day. So I think that's really, it's really exciting for them to know that they have listeners from all over the world. Um, oh, and another thing that, I think it's interesting, and I, and I haven't seen this at many sort of extracurricular stations, but at both of the stations that I'm talking about on the podcast today, they both had kind of a cluster of little um, radio studios that were quite small, that mm-hmm. were that were like little training studios. So often maybe at, a, at kind of a freeform extracurricular student station, you might have another production studio that mirrors the main studio. Um, But these were like little closets in a way that they had that you could go in and, and do some production work. So that was interesting to see. Um, I've seen that at a few stations that are really training labs. Right. Because the, the priority is to give everybody the opportunity to go get some work done. And if you only have two rooms where that is possible, then only uh, two people can be busy at once. Yeah, so they had a bunch of those audio labs, um, and at Pikes Peak Community College, they have around twelve different classes in the whole radio television program. So it's it's pretty pretty extensive program, and in the radio class, students are learning all about radio, editing, right. production, FCC rules, script writing, and then getting their hands dirty not just not just learning about it, but doing it. Yeah, and it and it's set up to be, you know, exactly like a commercial radio station so that kids can go directly from there to jobs in commercial radio. Well, that that seems like a good segue to hear from uh two of the people you spoke with there at KEPC, uh two of the student interns, that's what we that's what they call yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, two of the interns. Two of the interns were on hand. Um Matt West, I've been talking about, he's the co-host of that morning show. Right. And then Brittany Williams uh, we spoke with her as well, and she doesn't have a regular show, so she does. Um, she's on the air occasionally, but I found out that that was her first semester on the air. <laughs> so oh, okay. it was it was actually really interesting to talk to somebody who was brand new to the air, and she said that she's focusing on becoming more familiar and more confident on the radio, and she told me it's frightening but exciting which like i'm sure we can all remember from our first days on the radio yeah i i was really um i was really excited to hear uh britney's voice here in in the interview that you recorded i was i i kind of want to know more about how she thinks about radio at all because here's here's a young person who uh un unbidden you did not you did not prime the pump on this one. Brittany voluntarily chose to talk to you about how radio is not dying, and that's why she cares about it. And that uh, <laughs> we'd like to hear more from Brittany in the near future. 
about uh, about her thoughts. Oh yeah. Um, you can ask me why did we choose radio since it's this big theory that radio's dying. I'm not gonna remember that all. We'll just say. Um, why did you choose radio? Because it's free. <laughs> well, that's what my instructor taught me. But like I said, I chose radio because through everything I went through, music has always been the best therapy, whether it's a good time or bad time. So I know whether it's a person that's struggling or a person that's at the top of the quote-unquote world, I can be reached. They can hear me. Mm. Getting back to the original question, what haven't you asked us? I'd say, is it fun? And the answer to that is yes. It is a lots of fun. And the coolest thing about it is it's fun and it's a profession you can make money in doing what you enjoy. I wouldn't be here unless I, you know, enjoyed it. I love doing this. I'm really glad that you got the voices of uh, of Brittany and Matt there, student DJs, student student interns at, at KEPC. Uh, I know, especially during the summer when a lot of students aren't around. So that was that was really a bonus that I got to meet both of them. And that was my my ten year old daughter conducting that interview. Yes, so <laughs> thanks again to Miss B for the hard work. Keep up the good work. Asking, I know. Asking the tough questions. And, I know uh, she she doesn't always do the follow up questions that maybe I would ask. But that's the you next know. one. We'll get we'll get those follow ups in there. If if somebody We're, says something that you don't understand, uh, ask them to explain themselves. That's the best thing on radio. I know. Yes, we're we're doing our. Uh, radio training <laughs> she's getting her own radio form of radio training <sighs> yep. um but yeah it was um i i love going to visit radio stations and hearing about people's passion for radio and everyone expresses it in a different way um you know so i loved hearing from Brittany about what led her to that and how music plays an important role for her and she sees music as therapy and i I feel the same way. That's that's why I continue to do college radio is for the music. And after every show, I feel the sense of that I've gone through some f- form of therapy. It's mm-hmm. like an escape for me to be putting together a music show every week. So I could definitely relate to her story. And, you know, it's also fun just to ask people what we should have asked them. So we end up having conversations that we didn't expect. Yeah, it's always a good question when you run out of questions. What 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 question should I have questioned? Um, yes, that's wonderful. So again, like here we are, and at, you you know we've talked about two radio stations, college radio stations, and a lot of people's experiences. Um, they could have gotten that on a free form station, like Brittany's love for music, or and Matt's love for the fun of getting to be on the radio. So again, I sort of want to drive home the point of the the value of these uh, stations that are focused uh, even more on the education than, than other stations. Yeah. Well, and, and Brittany, I don't think it was in that. I think it might've been a different conversation I had with her. Mm -hmm. Um, She talked about how in a way having to choose the music in addition to everything else would sort of get in the way of the training, which I thought was an interesting perspective that, um, that she was actually grateful to just be focusing on getting the solid radio training and and playing the music that 
was already programmed for her. Um, and it's true. You know, I, I train people on my show at KFJC and it's a lot like learning how to use the equipment, learning how to use the microphone, remembering all the FCC rules, remembering all the station rules. And then on top of that, you have to know how to put together a really good music show. So I, I really appreciated her. I really appreciated that Brittany sort of reminded me of that, that there's a lot when you're first on the radio, there's a lot that you're learning. So in a way it's a relief if you take the music component out of it, like they don't have to make a decision about that. They just have to focus on, on kind of the technical aspects and what they're saying, even, you know, figuring out what you're going to say over the radio can be daunting. Right. And it, it, uh, it really drives home a point for me, the, one of our themes of the radio survivor work that we're doing that, that the, the diversity in community radio and college radio and radio in general but because because they're not commercial stations, there's they are more diverse. But all the different ways you can run a radio station uh, contribute to what radio is, and and the more the more there are, the more diversity there is, the better off everyone is. People who make radio and people who enjoy listening to radio. Uh, we want we want to keep the the new ideas uh, in play. Absolutely. And even among these training, the two training stations that we're profiling today, they're really different from each other. If, you know, if, when you start digging into um, how they operate, there are a lot of similarities, but they also have some differences. So that's, that's always my mantra is kind of look behind the scenes, peel away the layers, le- learn more about the radio that you're listening to. Well, I really thank you. I'm so glad that you did the work and that you brought us these two radio station tours. Was there any other questions I should have asked? (laughs) No, I think that you did very well, Eric. (laughs) That's great. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Hey, uh, I should mention, it's nice that we're mentioning at the end of the program today that Paul Reese Mendel is uh, toiling away in the minds of professional podcasting. Uh, and uh, he'll be back with us uh, shortly, but he's got, he's doing something that's exciting enough that I imagine... Uh, if he's available to talk about it sometime on the podcast, he'd have some good stories to share. So he'll be back with us next week. Um, Jennifer, uh, thanks so much and, and have a good trip at the GRC. Although we'll probably, we may, we may speak again before you go. We'll see. Yes. Maybe. Although it'll be down to the wire. It'll be down to the wire. Probably not. I'm probably going to be feverishly, um, right. Planning my presentations, but maybe, maybe we'll have some reports from the road we mentioned last week maybe i'll do some facebook live or oh yeah i didn't want to i didn't want to put any pressure on you but that's that's the i would love it yeah so um people should follow radio survivor on facebook and um you can change your settings on on there to to uh hear from radio survivor first you can prioritize uh we don't we don't put a lot of nonsense up on the radio survivor facebook page it's actually quite a clean and information heavy uh feed you're not going to get uh retweeted memes or whatever they whatever <laughs> what do the kids say of it anyway uh, uh and and that's where jennifer will be uh broadcasting live are you really going to do it potentially potentially all right um, well i mean i will i will certainly be tweeting so you know if you follow radio survivor and if you follow Spinning Indie on Twitter, okay. 
Um, we'll have some reports there as well. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, maybe some photos of radio stations, maybe a Facebook Live if I can handle it. You can do it. <laughs> well, uh, thanks. You, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, have a good trip. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody.